each time you're here, we, uh, as it turns out, have said hello to the love of your life. And it's never the same guy. This time, it's for real. This time. I've never been happier. This time. But you say that each time. Oh, this is a good guy. Welcome to the second episode of my new podcast, Lay Do You Remember This, where we look back on all the Hollywood stories of the early aughts, a time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you too could become a star. I'm your host, Darlene. This is also the second episode in a mini-series about Paris Hilton. Last week, we remembered a time when lady celebrities had feuds worthy of our time and attention. The six-year-long up-and-down frenemy relationship of Paris and Lindsay Lohan is something today's celebrities should aspire to. They just don't make feuds like they used to. I can only surmise that this is what they were talking about when they say make America great again. Our only hope for this country being restored to its former greatness is if Ariel Winter and Bella Thorne bravely mount a feud worthy of the red, white, and the blue. Katie, Taylor, if you're listening, please stop what you're doing and download last week's episode and learn something. While they're off doing that, we can move on to the subject of this week's Paris-centric episode. Today we'll be following the timeline of Paris's most significant lovers, from age 15 until today. And there are many. So many that this is a two-part episode. I in no way mean that as a slight against Paris. At 36 years old, you would imagine a woman who's never been married has collected a few notches in her lipstick case. Although Paris is more of a gloss girl, her favorite being MAC lip gloss in purr. At least that was her favorite as of 2003, but not much has ever changed about Paris from year to year, so it's probably safe to say that she's got a caboodle full of them always at the ready for when one tube runs out. But that's both one of the most interesting and most boring things about Paris, how little she ever changes. And I think that's one of the major reasons why she lost her relevancy in America after a few years. She has no ability to evolve, as a character for public consumption, but also as a human being. It's almost as if her emotional development stopped at about age 12, and that lack of maturity seems to really take a toll on how she approaches romantic relationships. I can infer all of this because I took a psychology class in high school 10 years ago. It was advanced placement, okay? Paris has a long list of men that she's been with because in all these years, practically every relationship barely makes it 12 months. None of them make it to an uninterrupted two years because Paris seems to approach relationships in the same way a young girl would. She falls in love with every man she dates, telling people that this is the one and she's never been in love like this. But then when things start to get serious, like marriage is put on the table, she starts to sabotage the relationship and it's over soon after. If she wants to be an eternal bachelorette like Leo DiCaprio, all the power to her. Get this girl her pussy posse membership card and welcome kit. 
It includes a vape pen, noise-canceling headphones, and an iPod shuffle loaded with MGMT's entire oeuvre. If you don't know what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor and Google all of those words together. Have a treat. You deserve it. Anyway, Paris routinely claims she's all about that traditional marriage life. In 2013, Wendy Williams asked if she wanted to get married and have babies, to which Paris replied, Definitely. I think that's every woman's dream to have that, and that's the meaning of life, to have children. And yet, after two broken engagements with Jason Shaw and Paris Latsis in 2005, she hasn't been engaged since. Then, six years later, when Paris was 30, an age where you'd think she'd be itching to get married, she started seriously dating another boyfriend, Cy Waits, only to break up with him later because she, quote, needed to get back to focusing on her career. Who knew we had a little Mary Tyler Moore on our hands the whole time? It's almost like Paris is in some sort of romantic purgatory. She's not a girl, not yet a woman. She waffles between believing in the heteronormative fairy tale romance fantasies she was raised with and the more modern possibility that maybe having children doesn't have to be every woman's dream. Am I making any sense? Screw it, let's just get to the D. So what kind of guy is Paris into? According to her book, Confessions of an Heiress, she says, I like guys who are hot, funny, swift, loyal, honest, and of course, won't lie or cheat on me. She goes on to say, Friends keep telling me I don't prefer one type of guy. And it's true. I admit I like all kinds of guys, just like shoes. Yes, Paris's dating resume is certainly an eclectic tapestry. A veritable coat of many colors, spanning every shade of white. She's dated men who are 6'2". She's dated men who are 6'3". There have been pop singers and pop-punk singers, from Tommy Hilfiger models to Ralph Lauren models, and everything in between. She's run the spectrum of dating a Greek shipping heir with one name, all the way to dating a Greek shipping heir with another name. Millionaires, billionaires, blondes, sandy blondes, Catholics, Protestants, no Jews. So let's start with the white rich boy who set Paris off on her romantic ride through the long and winding tunnel of love. Randy Spelling. Oof. Yes, Tori's brother. It could have been a match made in heaven. Two great American fame-monger families joining together to create a formidable dynasty. But these lovers were victim to bad timing as they found each other too early in life. Paris was 15 and Randy 17. They only dated for two months and Randy later said that Paris lost her virginity to him, which she never confirmed nor denied. They met in Palm Springs after Paris had been shipped there by her parents to live with her grandmother, Kathy Dugan Avanzino Richards Caton Fenton, better known as Big Kathy. Yes, Paris was shipped off to live in what later became an infamous piece of Palm Springs real estate, at least to any Real Housewives fan. 
After Big Kathy's death, the house was inherited by the sisters Richard. Little Kathy, Kim, and Kyle. Kim and Kyle both being cast members on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Each sister was to pay her third of the property taxes and expenses, but as Kim floundered in her alcoholism, Kyle and her husband Mauricio often had to help Kim with her portion. One day, Kyle and Mauricio bought out both sisters, apparently in a bid to relieve Kim of the pressure to keep up with the payments. Kim, of course, did not see it like this, which made way for one of the most iconic scenes in the Real Housewives canon. Season 1, Beverly Hills Finale. Kyle and Kim in the back of a limo, wearing the finest little black dresses that Cache has to offer. In the midst of fighting over who has done more for the other sister, Kim gurgles, You stole my goddamn house! When Paris was a freshman in high school, she was getting into lots of trouble and was sent to live in that goddamn house in the hopes that Big Kathy could whip her into shape. Apparently, Paris was hard to handle because one night when Paris wanted to be alone with Randy, she snuck out of the house and checked into a hotel under an assumed name. Big Kathy figured out where they were and showed up at their door. In an effort to escape, Paris either snuck out the back way or shimmied down a drain pipe, and Randy watched from the window as Paris ran with her suitcase across the hotel lawns. They broke up about a week later. At some point in the years that follow, a young Paris starts dating the man who would later become her most infamous co-star, professional poker player Rick Solomon. The two had been together for a while before they ever made the sex tape One Night in Paris, but it's unclear as to how long, as there's not a lot out there about their relationship outside of the sex tape fiasco. Rick and Paris probably started dating sometime before he divorced in 2000 from his wife E.G. Daly, or better known to some as the woman who voiced many iconic cartoon characters, including Tommy Pickles on Rugrats and Buttercup on the Powerpuff Girls. E.G. later said about the relationship of Rick and Paris, They were friends for a long time, and I think towards the end of our marriage, the way Paris would look at me, and I'm a woman so I know these things, she'd look at me like, that's the wife. E.G. knew what was up with them, but I don't think you need the skills of a facial and body language expert combined with the womanly intuition of an Earth Mother Moon Goddess to know what was going on there. We do not need Mariska Hargitay to crack the case that 31-year-old man isn't just friends with a 19-year-old model sashaying around your house in her pink track suit. She's not there because you keep all the best Dunkaroo and Capri Sun flavors in the house. Harry and Sally were wrong that men and women can't be friends, but you know who really shouldn't be friends? 19-year-old girls and 31-year-old married men with two daughters. Listen, I am a hip, liberal lady, okay? I'm cool. I'm with it. I went to art school, man. But ladies, if your husband starts trotting around a 19-year-old into your kitchen saying, hey, we're just friends, you don't have to be cool. You take your two kids and your rugrat residuals and you go. I mean, this guy sucks. He started a clothing company called Beverly Hills Pimps and Hoes, and he gleefully goes by the nickname Scum. Yes, Scum. A source close to him said that Rick, quote, thought I was funny and adopted the nickname long before the sex tape. What can you really say about someone who responds to the name Scum as if it's a good thing. What can one say? Well, 
E.G. Daly did have this to say about the couple, and he loved her, and it was real not, oh, we're going to get together and make a porn tape, because I don't think that's what they were actually doing. E.G. Daly, while she was busy raising your children and making a respectable living as the voice of Babe Pig in the City, you were off getting a 19-year-old drunk and filming her having sex with you. And after all that, after all you put E.G. through, she still tells the press that you loved Paris, probably so her daughters don't grow up thinking that their father is teen exploiting scum. We pray to Saint E.G. If you care to offer support to E.G., go to her website, egdaily.com, and purchase the recording of her one-woman autobiographical musical show called Listen Closely. It got rave reviews from LA Weekly. I wonder if we can say the same for Paris's portrayal of Amber Sweet in Repo, the genetic opera. Forgive me, I don't mean to put these two women against each other. Rick is the bad guy here. Because though most people tend to agree that Paris was in on releasing the sex tape so she could get famous, I believe that if it had happened in 2017, there would be a different public reaction. I personally am not convinced one way or the other that Paris knowingly released the sex tape with Rick Solomon to coincide with the premiere of The Simple Life, which was one week later. To this day, she says she didn't. And no matter how you feel about Paris now, if today a sex tape leaked of a basically unknown 19-year-old girl who is clearly drunk and or high being filmed by what turned out to be a 31-year-old man with the same name as her father, maybe we wouldn't be so harsh on her. I mean, a healthy 19-year-old should think dating a 31-year-old with her father's name is gross. If she doesn't think so, then let's assume she needs a little bit of our compassion. And shout out to dads named Rick, especially the good ones like my dad named Rick. But besides the obvious daddy issues, I also take issue with the fact that Paris was 19 and drunk or stoned during the filming. Rick even comments in the video about her drinking. After the sex tape was released, Paris said that she didn't remember filming it. Listen, I imagine you have to be drunk to film a sex tape. And listen, I'm hip. I'm cool. If you're old enough to be shipped off to war, you should be old enough to enjoy a refreshing arbor mist. But 19-year-olds should be getting toasted on Kahlua and filming their nude parts with other 19-year-olds, not 31-year-olds with the same name as their dad. It's just a gross, not to mention illegal, thing to do. You know what else is gross and should be illegal? Donald Trump telling Howard Stern that he watched Paris's sex tape with his then-girlfriend Melania. He also told Stern... I've known Paris Hilton from the time she's 12. She's hot. Her parents are friends of mine, and, you know, the first time I saw her, she walked into the room and said, who the hell is that? <laughs> Did you she, want to bang her? She is a... Well, at 12, I wasn't interested. I've never been into that. Right, you know? right. countries, our president isn't interested in having sex with his friend's 12-year-old daughter, even though she's beautiful. Bet we don't look so stupid now, huh? 
You thought the bar was set too low for Trump and he was barely skimming the bottom of it. But who's laughing now, suckers? USA! USA! After filming the sex tape that would someday be viewed by the United States President and First Lady, Paris and Rick dated for a little bit longer, but at some point broke up and Rick started dating Shannon Doherty. They married in 2002, but Rick was still fooling around with Paris on the side. Shannon had the marriage annulled seven months later. Karma would eventually come to claim Rick Scum Solomon. Years later, he told TMZ that because of the tape, he still, quote, can't get laid. Except by Pamela Anderson, who we know to not exactly be put off by having a leaked sex tape incident in one's personal history. They married and divorced each other twice. Another kick in the pants to Rick Solomon came just this year when his Bentley was stolen by Conrad Hilton. While at first blush, it sounds like this has all the makings for a hilarious story, but it's pretty sad. But also, so, so weird. As if E.G. hadn't been through enough, Conrad had started dating her and Rick's daughter, Hunter. When they broke up in 2015, Hunter got a restraining order against Conrad, which must have eventually ended or was dropped because in 2017, 23-year-old Conrad started harassing the 21-year-old Hunter. And in April, she got another restraining order against him. In the spirit of the fine Hilton family tradition of considering laws to be mere suggestions, a month later, Conrad started showing up at St. E.G. and Hunter's house at least four times. Then in May, he steals Rick's car, drives to E.G.'s house, and tries to break in. 13 years later, Santa E.G. is still being haunted by the mistakes of her adulterous husband, such as womanhood. Conrad gets arrested, gets out on bail, and is ordered to go to a psychiatric hospital in Houston. A tape then surfaces that was taken in front of Hunter's house back in April, where he addresses the camera directly with a message intended for Rick Solomon. It's truly chilling and just makes you wonder, what did these parents do to their children and how did Nikki avoid it? I mean, good God. While her parents were out partying with Trump, was Nikki kidnapped by attentive parents while the other children were being raised by the housekeeping staff at the Waldorf? Anyway, the tape is very troubling. Google it if you want to see the whole thing, but one part of it does circle us back to the relationship between Rick and Paris. Conrad says, I'm sorry for trying to take advantage of your wife, your daughters. I thought you took advantage of my sister. I don't know if you did, but I'm pretty sure it was an illusion too. You guys aren't porn stars, you're magicians. Teach me, please. Then it was on to the next man, Jason Shaw. When Jason and Paris started dating, the sex tape had not yet come out. Paris had gained some press for being an ick girl about town, but this little relationship was allowed to blossom out of the view of paparazzi cameras. In late 2001 when they met, Jason was 29 and Paris was 20. Though still a good chunk older than Paris, Jason was already a huge step up from a 31-year-old married guy who answers to the name Scum. Jason belonged to a very well-to-do family from Chicago and graduated from University of Chicago with a degree in history. That's a really, really great school and such an adorable major. 
If there was ever a guy that Paris dated that wasn't some sort of Hollywood type, you'd imagine that he'd be some American psycho who majored in cocaine and hookers at the Wolf of Wall Street School of Business. But he majored in history. The idea of Paris dating a man who can name not only the Nina, the Pinta, but also the Santa Maria is rather heartening to me. A man who doesn't need a rhyme to remember it was 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I like to imagine him whispering the Gettysburg Address in Paris's ear as she drifts off to sleep, or expanding her worldview by explaining to her that Cinco de Mayo is a real holiday with historical and cultural significance, and not a day for white people to drink margaritas with mustaches on. I'm not saying Paris isn't smart, but she got kicked out of like every high school she went to until she just quit and was homeschooled to get her diploma. You think Kathy Hilton was sitting Paris down at the dining room table every morning at 9am running flashcard drills and teaching her pre-calc? Inew. I think Paris having a chiseled model boyfriend teaching her middle school level history lessons would be just what she needed. And I hope those things happened. I really do. But in reality, instead of becoming a sheepishly handsome history professor who might show Paris how to live an authentic and soulful existence while pulling off tweed and elbow patches, he became a Tommy Hilfiger model and moved to LA. He graduated college in 1995. He probably couldn't even remember the Gettysburg Address by the time he met Paris. What a shame. But not for Paris's mom, Kathy, who was probably thrilled to hear of his ambitions to become a model and actor, careers that are both practical and guarantee many years of steady work. Kathy wanted Paris to be a star and to be with someone who would elevate her persona. A rich hottie from a nice family would do the job quite nicely. And that's probably why Kathy always said that Jason was her favorite of all of Paris's boyfriends. Paris certainly was in love with Jason, and there's evidence to prove it. In last week's episode, we remembered how in 2007, Paris's old storage locker was sold at auction. The buyer took pictures and scans of the contents of it and posted it on parisexposed.com. One scan that was posted on the site appeared to be a love book from Paris to Jason that she never finished. The book was something she probably bought from an old B. Dalton at the Beverly Center. It contained prompt questions about the person you love with blank lines to fill in your answers. One prompt asked, You make me laugh when you Make fun of people with me. It drives me crazy when you Have photo shoots and go to acting class. I'm not sure she totally got what they meant by that question, but her answer was certainly telling. Another gem. I miss everything about you, even our little fights. I need you in my sight, in my arms, in my life, in my wiener. You have no idea how happy you make me, because I don't think I could even describe it in words. Saying she misses him makes me think that their relationship was on and off from 2001 until their engagement in 2002. Paris did appear to have at least two flings during these years, one of course with Rick and the other with Vincent Gallo, a multi-hyphenate, director, actor, musician, predator. Before ever meeting Paris, Vincent had written and recorded this song called, I wrote this song for the girl Paris Hilton. 
It's wordless and boring, and in no way evokes any sort of mood that would remind you of Paris, but I'm sure Paris made him play it while they had sex. Vincent was a full 20 years older than Paris, and fit the bill as far as being the type of Hollywood scumbag that Paris liked to date, and would continue to date for years to come. Vincent was best known for writing, directing, and co-starring in the 1998 film Buffalo 66, also starring a 17-year-old Christina Ricci. Vincent plays a man who kidnaps a teenager and makes her pretend to be his wife when he takes her home to meet his parents. But it's cool because it turns out the underage kidnapped victim is actually a dirty little sex girl who didn't know what she wanted until she got it. You can imagine the kind of guy we're dealing with here. This affair was probably very short-lived because in 2002, Jason and Paris got engaged. After their engagement, Paris's star began to rise, and Jason wasn't liking the extra attention Paris was receiving. He is, of course, deep down just a Midwestern boy with a passion for world history. Jason broke up with Paris months before One Night in Paris ever came out, but that wasn't the only sex tape that was in danger of being released. Paris actually recorded several sex tapes before she got really famous, and one of them was about to be found. While Jason went over Paris' house one last time to sadly gather his leftover belongings in a box like a high school history teacher who just lost his tenure, he found a curious cassette. He took it home with him and watched the recording. In this particular sex tape, Paris had traded in her usual male scene partner for an on-screen ingenue. Playboy model Nicole Lenz. The video was recorded on Paris's 22nd birthday in February 2003 in a Bellagio hotel room in Vegas, probably just after Jason broke up with her. Jason later described the contents of the tape to a friend who apparently tried to get a deal to sell the tape to Girls Gone Wild, but the tape never seemed to actually get out and Jason told the press that he destroyed the tape right after he watched it because good Midwestern history nerds don't sell sex tapes of their ex-girlfriends. While the tape never made it to the internet, a relatively tame video of Paris and Jason pawing at each other half-naked did get uploaded to ParisExposed.com. After splitting with Jason, Paris rebounds with Derek Wibley from Sum 41 before going off to film The Simple Life with Nicole Richie. Then, a week before The Simple Life airs in early December, Paris's sex tape is released. Paris is apparently so humiliated that according to her mother, she spent the next three months on self-imposed house arrest, a concept she would later become very familiar with. However, this somehow didn't stop her from finding her next boyfriend, Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys, who she started dating in January of 2004. They met through Nick's bodyguard, who told Nick Paris wanted to meet him. Locked away in her shame shack, Hester Prynne Hilton called up the guard and ordered Nick to be delivered like Domino's Cinestics. Nick and a one-liter bottle of Coke showed up at Paris's door in 30 minutes or less, and they started dating. Dating the Backstreet Boy was a natural progression coming off of Derek Wibley, who looked like Nick Carter if he was taken out of the oven before he was finished baking. But it seems like the whole seven months they were together was pretty tumultuous. After their breakup, Nick would say that their entire relationship was built on distrust. 
Paris cheated on Nick with her House of Wax co-star Chad Michael Murray while he was in a relationship with his One Tree Hill co-star Sophia Bush. They would later get married in 2005 and then annul the marriage five months later. But don't worry about Sophia. Her best friend is Connie Britton, so things are doing just fine. Someone clued Nick in on the cheating, and in retaliation, he hooked up with Ashley Simpson. Paris broke up with Nick sometime after this over a phone call, though Nick said the breakup was mutual. This quick relationship seems like one of the more toxic ones Paris has been involved in. Paris was photographed by paparazzi a few times with very curious-looking bruises that one doesn't acquire from walking into a door. One instance happened after their breakup when Paris spent the next Monday night with Nick. They partied at the Argyle Hotel in Hollywood. The Monday night parties at the Argyle, thrown by nightlife queen Amanda Dem, were one of the hottest places to be seen for a short while. Amanda also opened the Tropicana Bar and Teddy's, both at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. These were two of the most exclusive places to party until they were eventually shut down by the hotel manager. During these party nights, Amanda would stand outside and hand select people from the line to be let in. These parties were described by many as the Studio 54 for early aughts Los Angeles. During that particular Monday night at the Argyle in July 2004, Paris and Nick were seen dancing together for hours. One Argyle spy was quoted as saying, They were dirty dancing. They were very lovey-dovey, staring into each other's eyes. We all thought they were back together. That is until Paris and Nick moved on to the next club, Joseph's Cafe, the same Hollywood club where Britney Spears met Kevin Federline. Eventually, Nick wanted to leave the club, but Paris didn't, so he forced her into the cab with him. Later, she was seen with some bruises. Of course, people assumed the bruises came from Nick, and his reps tried to spin it by saying Paris got the bruises from an S&M-themed photo shoot with Dave LaChapelle. In 2006, Nick and his brother Aaron did a bizarre interview on the Tyra Banks show, which is a must-see. Aaron says that back in 2004, right after the breakup with Nick, Paris took a 16-year-old Aaron out on a date, which caused a fight between the brothers, as I'm sure was the intention. Later, Aaron did say to a reporter during a Grammys party that Nick did hit Paris. After this relationship, Paris finally begins dating someone who seemed to be a genuinely good guy, then promptly breaks his heart. But we'll get to him in part two of this episode. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's necessary if I ever hope to climb the podcast charts and thus get more downloads. And more downloads means I can start raking in that sweet, sweet blue apron cheddar. Did someone say cheddar? How about a cheddar biscuit top chicken casserole with tomatoes and collard greens? A southern spin on a down-home classic. Oh yeah, now doesn't the dulcet tones of my creamy radio voice make you want to order a box of loose ingredients? I'll be here when you're ready, Blue Apron. And as always, this podcast was researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Darlene. 
You can follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. And you can email comments and show suggestions at this at gmail. So you're invited to come back next week. We've got a table, and I've put you on the list for Lay Do You Remember This. Nothing exciting. <laughs> really? <laughs>